Excerpt from Gallipoli by John Masefield. This is a LibriVox recording, or LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Very nearly 30,000 men, one whole division and one brigade of English soldiers and a brigade of Gurkhas with their guns and stores had to be landed unobserved and hidden. There was only one place in which they could be hidden, and that was under the ground. The Australians had to dig hiding places for them before they came. In this war of digging, the daily life in the trenches gives digging enough for every soldier. Men dig daily, even if they do not fight. At Anzac in July, the Australians had a double share of digging, their daily share in the front lines, and when that was finished, their nightly share preparing cover for the new troops. During the nights of the latter half of July, the Australians at Anzac dug, roofed and covered not less than twenty miles of dugouts. All of this work was done in their sleep time, after the normal day's work of fighting, digging and carrying up stores. Besides digging these hiding places, they carried up, fixed, hid and filled the water tanks which were to supply the newcomers. Long after the war, the goat herd on Gallipoli will lose his way in the miles of trenches which zigzag from Cape Helles to Archibaba and from Gabatipi to Ejelma Bay. They run to and fro in all that expanse of land, some of them shallow, others deep cuttings in the mile, many of them paved with stone or faced with concrete, most of them sided with little caverns, leading far down, in a few cases, to rooms twenty feet under the ground. Long after we are all dust, the goats of Gallipoli will break their legs in those pits and ditches, and over the coffee round the fire the elders will say, that they were dug by devils and the sons of devils, and antiquarians will come from the west to dig there, and will bring away shards of iron and empty tins and bones. Fifty years ago some French staff officers traced out the works round Durazzo, where Pompey the Great fought just such another campaign two thousand years ago. Two thousand years hence, when this war is forgotten, those lines under the ground will draw the staff officers of whatever country is then the most cried for brains. Those lines were the homes of thousands of our soldiers for half a year and more. There they lived and did their cooking and washing, made their jokes and sang their songs. There they sweated under their burdens and slept and fell in to die. There they marched up the burning hill where the sand devils flung by the shells were blackening heaven. There they lay in their dirty rags awaiting death, and there by thousands up and down they lie buried in little lonely graves where they fell, or in the pits of the great engagements. Those lines at Cape Helles, Anzac and Suvla were once busy towns, 
thronged by thousands of citizens whose going and coming and daily labour were cheerful with singing as though those places were mining camps during a gold rush instead of a perilous front where the fire never ceased and the risk of death was constant but for the noise of war coming in an irregular rattle with solitary big explosions the screams of shells or the wild whistling crying of ricochets they seem busy but very peaceful places at night from the sea the lamps of the dugouts on the cliffs were like the lights of sea-coast towns in summer and the place is seemingly as peaceful but for the pop and rattle of fire and the streaks of glare from the shells there was always singing sometimes very good and always beautiful coming in the crash of war and always one heard the noises of the work of men the beat of pile-drivers wheels going over stones and the little solid popping noises from bullets dropping in the sea i have said that those positions were like mining camps during a gold rush ballarat the sacramento and the camps of the transvaal must have looked strangely like those camps at suvla and cape hallis anzac at night was like those crags of old buildings over the arno at florence by day it was a city of cliff-dwellers stirring memories of the races past an immense expanse was visible from all these places at cape hellas there was a plain rising gradually to archibaba at anzac a wilderness of hills at suvla the same hills seen from below over all these places came a strangeness of light unlike anything to be seen in the west a light which made the hills clear and unreal at the same time softening their savagery into peace till they seemed not hills but swellings of the land as though the land there had breathed in and risen a little all the places were dust-coloured as soon as the flowers had withered a dark dust-coloured where the scrub grew often almost wine-dark like our own hills where heather grows a pale sand-colour where the scrub gave out and elsewhere a paleness and a greyness as of moss and lichen and old stone on this sandy and dusty land where even the trees were grey and ghostly olive and eastern current the camps were scattered a little and a little never much in one place on account of shelling till the impression given was one of multitude End of excerpt from Gallipoli by John Macefield